Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. I was really struggling to find an internal wiki for my team. I must have tried at least a dozen options and I was just never satisfied with any of them. Uh, They were either too clunky, too busy, and just not something I would want my entire team using. As soon as I was about to give up my search, I stumbled upon Nuclino. I immediately knew this was the application I was looking for. It's simplicity, super clean UI, and the ability to add content quickly and easily checked all the boxes for me. As a remote company, documentation is very important to keep our team connected and collaborative. We had everything in Nuclino from general company information and updates, documents for onboarding new hires and how-tos. If anyone on our team has a question about anything, they can go on Nuclino and find what they're looking for in seconds. So if you're a company that's serious about growing, being organized and being efficient, I highly suggest Nuclino for your internal wiki. I was able to get my listeners a pretty sweet deal. I got you 30% off uh, for one year of service. That's 30% off the best internal wiki in the game for one year. Go to nuclino.com. That's N-U-C-L-I-N-O.com and use founder views during checkout. Again, nuclino.com. Use founder views at checkout and immediately get 30% off for the year. Believe me, you won't regret it. I am speaking with Mark Thompson in this episode. Mark is the founder and CEO of PayKickStart, a subscription management, checkout, and affiliate solution that helps entrepreneurs and SaaS companies sell more and manage their payment side of their business with ease. PayKickStart recently surpassed $1 million in annual recurring revenue and has really been picking up steam. Aside from PayKickStart, Mark runs Digital Kickstart, a sister company that houses a couple of dozen other SaaS companies and apps. This was such a great episode. Mark is a true, raw, and bootstrapped entrepreneur, which I always admire and respect. He's also a non-tech founder in the SaaS game. Uh, Mark talks about how PayKickStart was actually built as an internal tool and how it organically formed into the great business that it is today. We talk about how he manages his fully remote team and what to look for when hiring overseas developers. And he also gives a lot of actionable insights into what PayKickStart is doing to drive up growth and sales. So enough of the intro, let's just dive right into it. This is a jam-packed episode you're going to want to listen to in full. Here's my chat with Mark Thompson. All right, Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really excited for you to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Amazing. So let's get into it. Like, What does uh, PayClickStart do? Uh, who are your customers and how do you help them? Yeah, so pick Kickstart, we we focus on uh, digital entrepreneurs. So anyone who maybe you're a SaaS company or you're selling software or maybe you're running a, a membership site or you're a coach and you're working with clients, that's really who we serve. Um, we're not, we don't, I mean, we do handle simple physical goods, but if you're looking for more like a full-blown e-commerce store like a Shopify, that's not really who we target. So we mo- mainly target the digital sellers. 
Okay, makes sense. Um, can, can you talk a bit about like the the platform itself? Like, what exactly? I know your customer. You said digital entrepreneur. Like, mm-hmm. like if, if I'm a digital entrepreneur, how can I use Pay Click Start? Yeah. So um, uh, basically, what we do is we make it really easy for the uh, online business to accept payment. So we integrate with payment gateways like Stripe, Authorize.net, Braintree, PayPal. So you just connect your account. You can start accepting payments in minutes. Um, Then we also have additional uh, conversion boosting functionality. So things like one-click upsells and order bumps and coupons. Um, We handle things like uh, tax and compliance as well. So we handle, you know, if you need to charge tax or we, uh, we're GDPR compliant. Um, we obviously are, are um, PCI compliant as well for security. Um, and then we also handle a lot of the retention. So things like built-in Dunning management. So for anyone who's running uh, specifically a subscription-based business and you need to handle rebills, um, I, I think on average about 30% of rebills, they fail. And so if you don't have a system in place to be able to communicate that to your customers so that they can go and update their billing details, um, you're at a significant disadvantage. So we handle that as well. So it's really kind of like a everything from checkout checkouts onwards to managing, you know, the, the the payments. And then we also have the affiliate platform as well. So if you want to work with affiliate partners and you want to issue commissions to them for any referral sales, you can do that as well. I love it. I love it. That sounds awesome. Okay. Um, so it sounds like you're basically a subscription management software. You sit on top of a payment gateway. Uh, like like my company, for example, we use Chargeify. Okay. Um, like I was Chargeify, Chargebee, a couple other popular ones. Like, would you consider uh, Chargeify, for example, to be a competitor to Pay Click Start? Um, yeah. So uh, we we have different kind of groups of competitors. So yeah, we definitely have you know people that are running subscription based businesses. You've probably looked at Chargebee, Chargeify, Recurly. Um, we definitely kind of stack up against them. Um, if you're looking for more of a kind of a, a shopping cart like a Sam cart or a warrior plus or anything like that. You know, we, we do compare to those. And then we also compare to affiliate platforms as well. I guess one of the good things about our platform is we kind of handle all of it. So you don't need to have multiple tools for each of these different things. That sounds awesome. You know, I love the Dunning part. I think that's um, such a huge component. In my opinion, it's one of the most, definitely one of the most overlooked ways for, for a company to like generate more or save more revenue. Um, I think a lot of people are missing out on, on that component. So that's, uh, that's pretty huge. Are a lot of folks using, do you have a pre-built templates with your Dunning? Uh, yeah, exactly. So we have default, uh, like sequences that go out. So we send, we do pre-Dunning as well. So if like a credit card is going to expire, we'll send them an alert, letting them know so they can go and update. Uh, and then we also have, if the payment does fail, we'll send, you know, three, uh, emails, just reminding them to go and update their billing details. And we're actually going to be adding onto that in the future. So we're going to have something like a, like an in-app Dunning feature where somebody logs into your application and they, they can see something visually within the app that says, Hey, looks like your credit card's going to expire or, you know, your payment is linked when go and update your billing details. So we're going to be, be building onto that. Um, so just because we realize how much it helps and saves uh, our customers, our vendors, a uh, potential revenue that's, that could get lost. Yeah, that's huge. Like that, that component alone could probably pay for the subscription and yeah. then some easily. Absolutely. Um, so, so you built a pay kickstart to solve your own problem. Um, 
from from what from my research, which is how some of the most successful companies got created, as you know. Uh, so who was your initial like ideal target customer when you first launched the company or was it always geared towards like that digital entrepreneur? Um, well, I mean, yeah. So like you said, uh, we built the platform for our own use. And so we are vendors as well. We, we have, um, you know, lots of, we have information products. We have other pieces of software that we've sold in the past. Um, obviously since we've launched pay kickstart, we've kind of transitioned away from our other um, products and assets. We've, we've sold some businesses so we can focus primarily on pay kickstart. But the reason we built it was, was out of pure necessity. We've tried lots of other platforms in the past and they just fell short in so many different ways. Uh, or it was just so expensive that it wasn't e- even justifiable to, to pay, you know, crazy transaction fees or just pay, um, whatever their monthly fees were. So we built it out of necessity. And then, um, just, I guess it, it kind of grew from there. We had some people in our circle. We've worked with lots of other, um, product creators and affiliates that have wanted to try the platform. Um, once they heard that we had built it for ourselves. And so we, um, we realized that there was a larger need in the marketplace. And so, um, given that, you know, we had already established our brand, um, and we had already made lots of connections with other people. Um, it, it just kind of was a natural fit for other digital sellers. Makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Um, quick question I have. So you mentioned like you're helping your main customers, like a digital entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my company, for example, we're a SaaS company. Um, how many SaaS companies would you say use, uh, pay kickstart? Is that a, a small percentage or are you more focused on like that, that solo uh, entrepreneur? We actually, I mean, we cater to both. I would say as the platform has evolved, we've been um, getting more SaaS companies to use our platform and it's actually kind of evolving into more of a, like a, a, a flagship uh, subscription-based uh, platform for like, like a Recurly or a Recharge, uh, Um So I would say probably about 30% of our customer base are SaaS companies. Um, we do have uh, a custom API that obviously a lot of SaaS companies, they like to have their a, a full, you know, custom checkout experience and they like to be, uh, be able to, you know, handle their own um, billing page and, and all that functionality right seamlessly inside of their, their application. So uh, we do have an API that allows you to handle all that functionality. Um, and then as well as the uh, affiliate management component, it kind of makes a really nice solution for, for those SaaS companies. Sounds great. It sounds awesome. Um, as a, actually, you know, tell us a bit about like your background. I know you mentioned you, you started a few other companies, um, pay kickstart wasn't your first company. So mm-hmm. like, what were you up to before launching pay kickstart? Uh, I actually worked with a lot of agencies. So, um, uh, helping small to medium sized businesses. So I worked for, uh, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I worked for a few different marketing agencies. Um, and then I went off on my own. I got fired from my last job, which was kind of a blessing in disguise. But, um, so I was helping, um, uh, businesses with their marketing e- email and SEO, pay-per-click social media. I kind of learned, you know, school of hard knocks. I mean, I went to school, but, uh, or college, but, um, everything I learned in college didn't really uh, apply to what I was, what I do today. So, um, I kind of learned just from reading blogs and books on, on how to rank websites and how to manage, uh, paid advertising campaigns and how to write you know, email swipe copy and all that kind of fun stuff. And so I did that for about four or five years, um, and then I, I realized that it was hard to scale the services business uh, unless I wanted to go and hire lots of people. And so um, I've, I've always tried to stay fairly lean and you know, mitigate, mitigate risk as best as I can. So 
um, that's, I, I kind of went transitioned and pivoted away from services and I started to create my own products, uh, created information products. And then I created my first piece of software, I don't know, maybe seven, six or seven years ago now. And, um, you know, obviously it was, there was a lot of hurdles <laughs> that I had overcome and I had to learn kind of on the fly. But, um, you know, as I created more software and as the, the software that I did create started to evolve, um, you know, I got better and better at creating, um, you know, software on a bootstrap budget. I, I, we didn't have any VC funding or anything like that. So, um, I had to kind of grind it out for a long time. Um, and then, as I mentioned, you know, we, we were able to hire more people, more talented people. Uh, you know, we have a, C, a CFO that kind of overlooks all of our uh, developers and, and, and technical people, um, which allows me and, and my co-founder to focus more on the sales and marketing side of things. That's awesome. I totally relate to the, the lean and bootstrapped approach. That, that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah, so as a non-technical founder, you know, just like myself, uh, how did you, how did you build these, these products and businesses so fast? Like, uh, is your business partner a developer or? No, he's not. He's actually uh, very similar to me. And we have a, a similar uh, skill set. He's not a developer. He's more of a sales and marketing type of guy. Um, but I just learned kind of uh, along the way. So I did have a previous partner that um, I worked with for a couple of years who was a developer. So it was really nice to kind of look over his shoulder and really understand the development process, how, you know, how it works. And so that really gave me a lot of, uh, of knowledge on, you know, how to wireframe your idea, how to design it, how to develop it, how to support it. Um, just the, the technical infrastructure that you need to, to host these applications. So I kind of learned on the fly. And then uh, as we were starting to become more, more profitable, I was able to hire uh, a CTO and, and that CTO was able to um, you know, really just enlighten me on, on even more. Just, you know, so I don't, I don't necessarily want to be involved in the day-to-day operations when it comes to the technical stuff, but it's good to know enough just to, to make educated decisions. Got you. Okay. So is your dev team like outsource or are they all local based? Um, so we do run a virtual staff. So everybody is uh, overseas. We do have some people in the U.S., but the majority are, are overseas. But we've been doing, you know, uh, this for, I don't know, maybe 10 years now. And so we've been able to really build a, an efficient system and make sure that everybody is staying on point and getting hitting their deadlines and, and all that stuff. So um, we, we found that there's some really talented developers and designers overseas and you could pay a third of the cost. And so if, as long as you're getting the same type of production and it's quality code and quality design, um, we, we enjoy working with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. So you guys are, you're fully remote and bootstrapped. Amazing. That's correct. We are. Yep. That's awesome. Um, you know, so, so I'm curious, like given your experience with, with this launching, you know, many startups by the sound of sounds of it, you know, some, some of them successful, maybe some not so successful. Like what was the main thing, like that main catalyst or ingredient that made uh, pay kickstart like stick and gain traction compared to the other companies? Yeah, well, I think, you know, pay kickstart's definitely been kind of our, our, our major long-term play. Um, you know, we've created some apps that have been more just kind of short-term, uh, just really a way to help uh, drive revenue. Um, but with, you know, with pay kickstart, it's been kind of a different animal, especially cause we've been trying to take it mainstream and it's starting to get some, get some really good legs. Um, but I think persistence has been the biggest thing, you know, obviously it, it growing a SaaS company doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. Uh, you're not successful overnight, especially when it comes to, we're dealing with people's 
you know, money. We're dealing with billing and payments. And so people need to be able to trust you um, with, with their online business. And so that didn't happen overnight. You know, we, we started with a small kind of beta uh, user base. And as those people started to use our platform, we started to get a lot of really good advice. So we listened very, very closely to what they needed and what the challenges were so we could continuously uh, evolve the platform. And then we also really amped up on customer service. So you know, now we have 24-7 customer service, and we try to um, really just go above and beyond. Whereas I know a lot of companies that have failed in the past, a lot of it was, was stemmed off of uh, customer service. So we've really tried to do our best to really be sit there right next to the customer and understand what their challenges are and then take action and come up with a solution for them. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Like, I love what you're saying because it, like it resonates with me so much. Like our, our stories and uh, are very similar. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, so, like, so was your intention to to grow Pay Kickstart to what it is today? Like, and like was that so? The initial idea was to just gain the traction and put up the other companies aside, or was it? Was there something about Pay Kickstart where you saw more potential than the others? Um, you know, so at, at the, in the beginning, as I mentioned, it was more of like an internal tool for us just to process payments without having to worry about transaction fees and all these other crazy, you know, add-ons that we were paying for just to, we had, you know, like a duct tape solution in the very beginning. And so it's like, we built it as an internal tool. And then as it just kind of naturally or organically built where people were just like, Hey, that's a really cool checkout page. Or how did you do that one click upsell? Or how did you design this page? And we're like, Oh, it's, it's, it's an internal platform that we use. Like, would you be interested in using it? And so more and more people just started to gravitate towards it. And so my business partner and I just kind of sat down and we're like, I I think this is kind of the direction we need to go. There's a, a, a real need in the market and we have the means to create a solution. And so that's we kind of rebuilt it from the ground up after using it internally for about a year and a half so that we could allow, you know, bring on other vendors and all different types of businesses. So in the beginning, it was more just an internal tool just to sell our other products, but then it's really evolved and it's 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 kind of, you know, we've shifted a, a lot of our resources and time towards the platform now. I manage a fully remote company with team members all over the world in different continents and time zones. As you know, a critical component to running a business is having a phone system. With Aircall, I'm able to set up a new number and create an account for a new team member in less than a minute. Aircall can be downloaded on any computer or mobile device. You can literally make and receive calls wherever you go. The system is totally flexible, so you can customize the workflow and call routing however you want. As a company owner or manager, you can also get deep insights and analytics broken down by individual or department. Uh, You can also enable call recordings. You can go back and review calls for training and support. Uh, Just a whole bunch of features. They also have a ton of integrations with pretty much all of your favorite apps. If you're looking for a phone system built for today's modern business, look no further than Aircall. I highly, highly recommend them. I know my team couldn't function without Aircall. Now, I was able to get my listeners a completely free seven-day trial so you can try it out. Sign up on aircall.io slash founderviews. They have to know that I sent you to be qualified for the seven-day free trial. That's aircall.io slash founderviews. And use Aircall free for seven days. You won't regret it. 
Love it. That's awesome. Um, I want to talk about like the development side a bit because, you know, a lot of questions and inquiries I get uh, from like early stage SaaS folks in particular is about uh, working with, with an outsource, outsource development team. Like a lot of people just can't wrap their heads around it. Like how do you trust people and all that? Mm-hmm. So like from your experience, so you've been in this 10 years working with, with outsource developers. Like how do you like manage to keep product updates like consistent and flowing? And like, you know, how do you, how do you trust overseas people? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I guess we were lucky. So when we started to build out PayKickstart heavily and started to invest into a lot of development time, uh, we had a bunch of in-house developers already that have been working for us. So actually, a lot of the developers that we have right now are developers that have been with us for five, six, seven years. So we've been able to, you know, just obviously trust them over the years and they've been very reliable. But, you know, we've always made sure that we not necessarily have a tight leash, but we make sure that we're managing the project on a, on a weekly basis. So we have weekly sprints. So they know each developer knows exactly what they need to be doing each and every week. Um, we also use a tool called Hubstaff, um, which again, we don't want to be looking over their shoulder, but you know, of course, you know, it's a virtual team and you know, we're not there in an office. So, you know, it's a way for us to just uh, track their time. It also does screenshots and all that stuff. And for the most part, to be honest with you, we don't really even look at it unless if we notice that there's a developer and they're just, they're lagging and, and they're not producing, then we're going to go and try to figure out what's going on. Is it, are they not trained enough? Um, are, we, are we not giving them enough support or is it something that they're doing that like is hurting the company? Are they just like tracking time and not doing anything or, or who knows. So we do use Hubstaff for, for uh, time tracking and that's a really nice tool and it's, and it's helped us. But, um, you know, when we hire developers, we love to hire, we've actually, you know, we've hired one guy and then he'll be like, Oh, I actually work in an office with four other developers and, and they're actually looking for work. Would you be interested? And so usually if we find one solid guy and they work with other people in an office, we'll say, Hey, yeah, let's, let us interview a couple of these other guys and see how they do. And so we've been very successful with um, really just expanding in, in a, a specific office. That's great. Yeah, we actually use Hubstaff as well. Um, so, do you have any tips for for what to look for in an outsourced development team or developer? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing is is communication, um, and so you know when you can kind of tell early on, especially like during the initial interview, you want them to be asking questions because that means that they're engaged, right? Instead of just saying yes, I can do it. You know, you, there's been plenty of developers that they're just yes men, right? They say they say yes regardless of the question that you ask them. They're going to say they can do it because all they want is a job. They don't really care about what what the job entails. So you always want to work with with developers, especially in the initial interview. You want them asking questions because that means that they truly want to understand what it is. And then also just you know try to see if they're transparent, right? Be like, well, what are you good at? And and more importantly, what are you not good at? What, you know, what skill sets do you have so that I, I can see if you're a good fit or I can mold you into our organization the the the, the best way or provide you with the support um, that you need in order to be successful. So I think, you know, communication's big, giving them, you know, documentation or SOPs or uh, any type of docs that you have to help them be more successful. And then obviously keeping them, um, in you know having you know daily check-ins or weekly sprints or or whatever you want to call them to make sure that they're hitting their goals and if they're not hitting their goals, 
you know, you want to assess why is that is, and, and understand what it is. Is it they just don't, that's not their skill set, and then they're better suited off doing something else. So those are the things that I try to look for. Yeah, that's all great advice. Uh, thanks for that. Um, switching gears a little bit. So you mentioned you're bootstrapped. Uh, did you have any previous exits to help fund the company? Or? We had a couple. Uh, there were a couple products that we um, that we did uh, sell. Uh, there's still actually a whole bunch. There's a, a large group of products that we have under our, our sister company, which is Digital Kickstart. So Digital Kickstart houses the other software and information products that we've created. And so we actually have kind of a separate team that continues to maintain those and support those products. And it, 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 it acts as a revenue stream for pay kickstart. So it's a great way to, you know, inject capital into pay kickstart while, especially in the early days when it was becoming, you know, trying to get it to break even and now it's, you know, become profitable. So especially in the early days, it was, it was, that was kind of our, our cash injection. Got it. That's awesome. Um, so sticking with, uh, you know, pay kickstart, like what's currently driving most of your sales and growth today? Like what channels are working best for you? Yeah, we've, we've tried a bunch of different things. Um, and I think we had a different approach when we first started versus what we're doing now. So when we first started, um, we did, we had a large email list of people that have purchased our products in the past. So we were lucky in that sense to be able to, you know, send an email to our, our email list and to get them to, you know, try it out to a free trial. We also drove people to a webinar and, and uh, gave pay kickstart away for, uh, I think we did like a, a 997 offer and it gave them access for a year. So we did that. Um, to kind of get the ball rolling. And then we also just had a large network of, of like entrepreneurs and product creators that we had worked with. So we reached out to them to see if they wanted to, to try it out. And then once we started to get that initial customer base, we started to open the doors to other things. So obviously like word of mouth was really big. Um, people were noticing that we had great customer service. We were implementing um, features and updates that they wanted. Uh, so they were telling their friends about it. So that was um, something that kind of happened happened over, you know, probably after two years of the platform being, being live. Um, and then we've also tried things like cold email outreach. We've done some paid advertising. Um, we've gotten more heavy into blog content as well. So our content marketing strategy, which is more of a long-term play, uh, is starting to kick in as well. And, and uh, we're also doing things like, like this interview, like podcast interviews and, and things like that. Love it. So where would you, where would you say most of your, um, like leads and sales are coming from now? Would you say it's like the inbound part of it with the content or are you still doing yeah, any outbound? Yeah. I mean, nowadays it's definitely more of the, the content marketing, um, and word of mouth. So, you know, people will read one of our blog posts. We also do uh, guest posting as well. And so they'll come to our site and then we always try to get them on live chat. So our 24 seven live chat team is there to, to try to you know answer questions and to try to get you into a free trial. So that's been kind of our, our flow that's worked really well. Um, we're in the process of redesigning the website and we're going to be running some more paid advertising campaigns um, in the future. But yeah, content marketing has been um, fairly big, especially in the last uh, six to 12 months. That's amazing. Do you have, uh, do you still have an outbound sales team? Um, not really. So we, we have done some, some cold out, outreach in the past where, um, and, and we actually do have a guy that has been helping with, you know, just calling, you know, calling out to, to prospects, but it hasn't really been, um, as, as cost effective or we, ha- we haven't really had the ROI that we were hoping for. So the inbound has definitely been much better. So we've been focusing the majority of our strategy on that. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I had a few, I had a few, um, B2B SaaS CEOs tell me, uh, on the show that, you know, uh, from their experience, the paid ads no longer work. Um, have you done enough testing to, to say if it works in your case? We haven't, we haven't done a ton. Um, I mean, obviously the advertising costs go up, especially when, you know, Facebook, everybody's trying to market on Facebook now. So back 10 years ago or whenever the, the, the Facebook ads platform came out, it was dirt cheap, but obviously it's saturated now. And so, uh, it's, you know, the, the customer or the, the, the companies that can afford to, you know, pay the most for a lead and still be profitable are the ones that are ultimately at the end of the day going to win. So one thing that we're really trying to do is nail, like hit, hit the nail on the head of who our target audience is, and then make sure the landing page really speaks true to them. So whenever we do paid ads, we always try to make it as hyper-targeted as possible. Or if we're running a cold email outreach campaign, you know, we know that, okay, this, this website's using active campaign, active campaign is one of our integration partners. And so we'll try to craft a landing page and email sequence that speaks directly to that type of customer or whoever it is that we're targeting. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can invest, you know, $1 and get $2 out, um, you can scale it up. So there's pros and cons to paid advertising, but obviously it's gotten much more saturated and the costs have gone up. So you really need to know what you're doing. You need to know your metrics and your numbers or else it's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Um, so about the content, like you mentioned, uh, like how much content are you guys putting out? We do, um, Right now we're doing three blog posts a week. We were doing one every day. Um, we've we've kind of tapered off a little bit, um, and then we usually do one or two guest posts a week, and then we also do podcasts and some you know Facebook lives or web- webinars and that kind of stuff. Do you find certain uh, posts uh, perform better, continue to perform better than the rest, or? Yeah, I mean, a long form uh, content uh, still seems to to do the best. It also gets the best rankings as well. Um, so that's what we try to do. And then obviously, you know, just even just basic SEO stuff, right? I mean, like just analyzing the keywords, looking for longer tail keywords that have low competition, but you know, uh, medium uh, search volume. The, that's that's always worked for us. Um, even competitor pages, when people are looking for alternatives to whatever solution they're using, um, we've created some landing pages for those as well. And so, um, so yeah, so those have worked really well. Nice, nice. I had a few, a couple of people tell me recently as well that you know they they were also putting out like several blog posts a week, and you know. Uh, one person told me in particular they they stopped doing like the quantity approach and started putting out like three or four really long form posts per year and those have just outperformed uh interesting yeah yeah so it is pretty interesting Mm -hmm. um so how big is uh the team today uh we're just over 20 so that makes up you know developers and designers and support staff and uh we have like a full-time qa person and um uh, a couple of you know, marketers. So nice, nice over um, spreader across how many countries? Uh, it's a good question. We have, <laughs> uh, do, 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 do. we have five or six in, in Russia. Uh, we have one in the Philippines. We have one in South Africa. We have one in Italy. We have uh, a couple people in the Philippines. Um, 
I'm sure we got a couple of people in the U S we got one in Canada. Uh, we're, we're kind of all over the place. Spread out. Nice. Yeah. nice. So, and, and you guys just or recently passed uh, a million in annual recurring revenue. Is that correct? We did. Yeah. So that was a, a very big milestone for us. So um, it's, it's things have been kind of snowballing, especially in the last six months. So it's, it's an exciting time and it really opens the door for, for more growth and continuously evolving the product. That's huge. That's huge. Congratulations, by the way. And what that's less in less than three years. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been a little over three years. I think it's been about three and a half years now. Wow. That's incredible. Congrats. Thank you. Um, so, you know, when you get into a business of of that size, you know, having, um, I think a good high level overview of metrics uh, is important as I'm sure, you know, like, um, in your experience, uh, what are the most important metrics that you monitor to see if your company is doing well or performing in the way you want it to? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a few things. Obviously, our our monthly recurring revenue is really big. Um, our churn is is really big. Uh, looking at the, um, the the percentage of people that take the free trial uh, and then end up becoming a paid customer, um, and then obviously expansion revenue, trying to get people to upgrade. So those are you know we're looking at all of those different metrics. Yeah, it makes sense. Do you calculate churn? Do you include the folks who sign up for a free trial in your churn? We don't. Uh, we, we calculate it based off of after they've paid um, at least for one month. And then, you know, if they canceled down the road, we would count that as churn. Got it. I'd imagine churn in your case is pretty low. Is that a safe assumption? Um, it's actually fairly high for us. Uh, and that's one of the main um, sticking points. So it was something that we're really focused on. So we actually just today, we really, we released a new in-app onboarding experience. So what we're trying to do is get the customer, the vendor to first value as quickly as possible. And so in our case, getting them to first value is that they have their products um, and their checkout page and they can start selling that product. And so there's a few things they need to do in order to do that. And so there's actually five steps that we walk them through this wizard in app. And uh, we're hoping that that will help get people to first value as uh, quickly as possible um, and help to remove those people that were like, well, you know, I tried a free trial, but I, you know, I was clicking around, I couldn't figure out what to do. And then they left. And so um, the churn, our churn has been fairly high. It's, it's, it's gone down. We actually released the first phase of our onboarding uh, a couple of months ago, which has helped to decrease churn. We just recently today actually, um, release the second phase of our onboarding, which also includes some custom uh, emails based on where they are in the, the onboarding wizard. Um, so there's some things that we're, we're doing to improve that, but um, yeah, so churn's definitely been our, our biggest sticking point. <laughs> Interesting. I, I would have guessed opposite just because like of what you said, you know, this is a, something that, you know, you're dealing with people's money and you're integrating with gateways and you'd imagine people who do that, like don't really want to move around too much. Well, yeah. And, and so what happened, what we've noticed is a lot of people that are just starting out, like they do a free trial and maybe they, they pay for a, a month or two and then they're just like, well, I just decided not to do it or, or whatever. So usually the people, once you've gone over like four to six months, those people stay forever. They don't, they don't leave. Um, another thing that we've done is, you know, we've talked to some people that, Hey, you know, we have this existing shopping cart. We'd love to use your platform. Um, how can we get our, our existing subscriptions into your platform. So we actually built an import feature so you can take, you know, subscriptions that are in Stripe or in your payment gateway 
and bring them into pay kickstart. Um, so that was one thing that helped us uh, early on with churn was that the people you know, making it a smooth transition for them. Um, we're also in the process of trying to come up with, you know, like a, a, a transition team, like dedicated team where, you know, if you're a SaaS company or you need technical resources, not only do you have our API docs and you have our knowledge base, but you also have access to an account manager who can answer questions and make it as smooth a transition as possible. Yeah, makes sense. Love it. Um, so pay kickstart is, you know, primary focus right now. That's where you're spending most of your time on. Like what does a typical day look like for you? I know this is a very tough question to answer for most uh, CEOs or founders, but uh, try and paint a picture of a typical day for you. Yeah, that's, that is a tough question just because every day is a little different. Um, at least, you know, like today, uh, we just rolled out uh, a whole bunch of new updates. So I worked with my technical team to make sure that there was no issues with the rollout, um, talking to our customer service guys to make sure that, you know, that we didn't have an increase in, in tickets with anything related to the rollout. Um, we're actually in the process of redoing our entire website as well as uh, uh, increasing the pricing and we're redoing our entire user interface, which that is a kind of a long-term uh, a plan that we've been working on. And uh, so I've been kind of in touch with our designer on the website as well as the UI. Um, been talking to a couple of our, of our developers to make sure that we can um, properly implement the new pricing. So we've been kind of, you know, uh, t today was kind of all, uh, across the board, all, all over the place. But um, yeah, I mean, from from week to week, day to day, it's it's always a little different, which is yeah. something that I like. I don't like to be just focused on one thing. It's you know, as yeah. entrepreneurs, we all kind of have ADD, so we like to do lots of different things. For sure. And it's funny. The reason I asked that question, cause I'm, everyone has sort of has the same answer. Like it's different every day. Like I'm waiting for that one CEO to tell me like my day is exactly the same every day. I don't think that'll ever happen, but yeah. We'll <laughs> um, so what are, what are some of your, you mentioned a couple like hubs, hub staff, for example, um, in terms of apps and tools that you're using, uh, your company's using to, to help stay productive and organized. Uh, what are some of your other favorites? Um, we use Jira to manage our weekly sprints for, for the development uh, lifecycle there. We also use Freshdesk for our help desk. Um, we use Figma for wireframing and, and design work. Um, we use a tool called Customerly. So we used to use uh, Intercom, but Intercom's pricing has just gotten crazy expensive. Um, so we use a tool called Customerly, which powers our live chat. Um, which that's really nice. Um, what else do we use? We use Mailshake for our cold email outreach. Um, we use, I mean, we use Amazon for all of our, you know, our server stuff, our Q yeah, stuff. Yeah. Our Q I'm sure the list is really long. Yeah. But I mean, it's, so, I mean, we're not using a ton of tools. I mean, the, the tools that I use on a regular basis, I use like, I mean, obviously we're using pay kickstart for handling our, all of our payments and affiliate stuff. We have our, you know, we use active campaign for our email marketing. So, I mean, you know, for me, at least personally, I probably only use maybe three or four tools a day. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, all right. Perfect. Uh, you know, I do want to be mindful of your time, uh, Mark. I do like to end off each chat with what I call the top three. You ready? Sure. All right. Number one, your favorite business book. Uh, zero to one by P Peter Thiel. Nice classic. Uh, number two, your favorite vacation spot. Favorite vacation spot. Oh my god. 
probably somewhere in the Bahamas, probably like Turks and Caicos. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, finally, if you can go back, what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business? Um, that you can take imperfect action and it's okay. Um, I know, you know, a lot of new entrepreneurs, they want everything to be perfect. And what I see so many people do is they'll spend years upon years trying to create something that's perfect and they never even end up launching the product or launching the business. When in fact you can create even just a small fraction, just create, you know, your minimum viable product, get it out there in the market and start to get, you know, be receptive and listen to what people are saying about it and then adapt and, and, and know that it's okay to pivot if you need to, right. If, if something isn't working out, it's okay to pivot. So, you know, when I first started out, I, I wanted everything to be perfect and I wanted everything to be like, I know, I knew exactly what they wanted, but at the end of the day, you know, if I was able to get it out to market and then I would just let the market, tell me what, what needed to be changed or what needed to be added. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, well, Mark, thank you so much. I'm really glad we were able to connect. I, I, I really love what you guys are doing. I think a lot of entrepreneurs and SaaS folks and other businesses will be seeing a lot more pay kickstart. I have no doubt about that. So um, pleasure speaking with you and I would love to do this again sometime. Likewise, thanks for having me. All right, thanks so much, Mark. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.